Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Texing, your weekly podcast. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> We'd mentioned that we were going to talk about Twitter, and it, yeah. it occurred to me that um, I don't know. I've been really getting into Twitter lately. I mean, uh, what do you think of it? I mean, is are you, are you getting into it or? I have I have sent one twit or tweet. <laughs> I'm just like not – look, I want to like it. I just haven't really found the time or uh, the reason to use it. I, I have like a couple dozen people subscribed to as followers um, for, for whatever reason because I haven't sent anything on it. But I don't know. I mean I, I tell you what. When I look at it, I have a hard time understanding what people are talking about. Like there's sort of obscure you know, half sentences. I'm like I don't even know who's saying what. I mean what, what the hell it's is going kind, I mean, on? Twitter's kind of weird because it's like – it's like as if okay, I'll give you an analogy. It's like as if you didn't know what a phone was, and then someone put a phone in front of you and a, and a phone book, and you didn't know what it was. And you didn't know how to use it. So you have this really powerful thing, you know, sitting in front of you that you just haven't got any idea how to use, and it requires a bit of education. But I mean, Twitter really is—it's so powerful. Like, um, I mean, I've actually had an account for, I guess, a year, but I've just mm-hmm. sort of been staring at it. And then just, you know, listening to podcasts and, and, and reading blogs and stuff, and gradually it's sunk in, oh, you know, this is what the point of Twitter is. And basically it's, as far as I can see, well, there's there's a few different ways you can use it. I mean, you can use it for marketing, um, but you can also use it to, to get really good information. And um, I mean, the way that I've been doing that is just, for example, PHP. I mean, I'm, I'm interested in PHP. I'm interested in cloud technology. So I'll search, use Twitter search. And, you know, I'll search on the term PHP or the term cloud. I'll find the people who are talking about it and then follow them. And then all of a sudden, you know, in your Twit stream, you just have really interesting stuff coming up. And especially if if you're into, like, Mashable or TechCrunch, that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, because it pops up straight away. I should also mention that, you know, an important part of Twitter is the client that you use. So, for example, I use a client called TwitterFox. And right. that just sits inside Firefox, you know, uh, 24/7, it just sits there, and every time there's a new Twitter message, it p- pings up a little one or two. So it's like getting a, a new email or something, and you can just click it and see what was said. So you're, you know, as soon as Mashable puts something out or TechCrunch puts something out, it's it's like in your inbox. You can click into it and find out that information straight away. Um, uh, I guess the the downside is is that it could be taking up your time. Um, you know, it could be it could be sucking up your time. But on the other, I mean, another way of looking at it is is that information and and knowledge about that technology that's kind of useful for your clients you know it's good that you know that stuff and that you're keeping up to date with that stuff you know it's it's probably kind of like how uh when people first got uh you know answering machines and everybody spent all this time making these weird <laughs> and, and you know voice versus mails or whatever they're called that you know and they they put a recording on there and they have weird songs and it's like people sort of misuse the technology at first they try all these yes. goofy things trying to just be kind of stupid and you know maybe twitter is like going through that to a certain degree where everybody's you know emailing oh, i just had a cup of coffee it was great you know and eventually it's so we have a phone they start calling up people just to tell them they had a cup of coffee and people are like why are you calling me you know? i mean there, there's a marketing revolution as well though with twitter. i mean some people are just i saw this one company using twitter uh, just i was just looking at it yesterday i'm not going to mention the name but obviously what they've got is they've got a couple of students going around following lots of people and they followed about 6,000 people and so now they've got 6,000 followers because like a lot of the time I mean it's 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 a little bit different to that in the sense they probably followed I don't know six and a half thousand people and they've got 6,000 followers so okay. they've, they've put in the time to to get those 
those people following them. But what are they posting? They're just saying, my company is so great. Check out my company. You wouldn't believe how amazing my company was. Like, and they've got, you know, a hundred updates just saying how great they are, which right. is crazy because, you know, for, if, if you take, for example, Mashable, every, every Twitter post that they put out there is interesting. So therefore people look at it, you know, follow the links that are, that are put in the Twitter post. So you're more likely, it, it's like these guys, are, they've totally wasted their marketing efforts because they're just putting stuff that's not interesting. So even though they've got 6,000 followers, the people following them are probably zoning out because they're going, oh yeah, those guys are just telling us how great they are. I'm not going to look at that tweet. But again, it's a, it's a kind of gaming the system, the sort of SEO link blogs or link farms or spam, you know, Twitter where people, you know, once, you know, enough advertisers and stuff, and I, they probably sure they've crossed this threshold. They understand that, you know, if you game Twitter, you can, you know, get an audience or get some and make money and people do it. So, but at some point people, just like there are spam filters, it'd be the equivalent, like a, a, a tweet filters of some kind, you know? Well, that, I mean, yeah, that, that's, <laughs> that brings up another subject that, that we were going to discuss, which is, um, I mean, Twitter is, I mean, as, as you correctly say, I mean, people just sort of say, oh, I'm having a cup of coffee. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And there's, there's certain things that are kind of golden nuggets on it and other things right. that are just complete drivel <laughs> it's a massive signal and noise problem right i mean it's yeah. like five percent gold and 95 percent just crap it's like why do i but you know and you hear people who you know it's like you'll, you'll be listening to um you know space i think it was like you know leo laporte on i was talking about this week in tech and he's always talking about how much he loves twitter but then somebody's done with it he's sick of it and he loves it he's always talking about it, and then he hates he's done with it he's <laughs> yeah, you know it's, it's like, like they, they're I'm so done with this and then they're just talking about it so it's like the technology itself is cool and powerful but they're still just getting frustrated with the noise and the irrelevance of a lot of the stuff so you know the next i guess probably one of the next steps is Twitter itself or other companies figuring out how to really filter out the, the noise and really so you get the signals you want. And then you I, got... I think there's some scope for, um, you know, using Bayesian filtering for it. So basically like, like a spam filter system so that you, you sort of train it to, to give you the messages that you like and the messages that you don't like. I know there's only 140 characters to play with, but, you know, you can, you can play with the weights uh, towards the, the positives and the negatives. And I think that at least it could sort of give it – you could give it subtle hints to like get rid of certain stuff, you know, that you, that you're not looking. I mean, it's, it's just a thought, but, uh, yeah, well, I think I, you know, actually having a short, I'm not an expert in, in, you know, Bayesian classifiers or, or Bayesian filters, but you know, from what I do understand, I would think that having a short text, you know, 140 characters. So yeah. it's some such topic. So, I mean, in, it, it, Maybe that particular a particular message may be noise for the overall stream of stuff that you're that you're interested in, but it'll probably signal rich for what the content of that particular message is, right? Because there's 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 what you want to say, whether it's like I just ate sushi, really. Well, you yeah. know, sushi is what they're talking about, you know. Yeah. Or I went to the movies, or I found a really cool, you know, whatever. So it may be an easier problem to filter that because the message, the content on a message will be very self-describing. Well, it's just the, the, the thing about the way that Bayesian works is, you know, you, it, it looks for the interesting words in the, in the, in the message. Right. And so, you know, with an email message, typically you've got a lot of words. And so, you know, what, like as, as um, Paul Graham describes it in a, I think it's a plan for spam. Like he, I think he talks about getting the five most interesting, you know, uh, non-spam indicators and the five most interesting spam indicators. Right. Uh, so, 
that's that's 10 words now the thing is that's 10 words out of i don't know like a 200 word email but uh, right. twitter you're only going to have 10 words right so you need to sort of bring it down and say okay maybe just the most too interesting you know um right. but i was also thinking that it, it would be great if there was a way that you could just say you know show me everyone show me the coolest people who are talking about php you know right um and i think that would be be possible you know i mean imagine if you like took took the the twitter data set and like uh chopped up the words and took account of everyone who said php and you basically just said okay uh, tell me the you know the top 20% of users who've said the word php most right you know and then you could just like follow those people yeah you know i'm trying to think you know, you could probably do that you could also maybe do like like everybody is how everybody is rating everybody else who's looking for that that kind of a thing almost like um oh like, like a, a like a non like a is it an on system or a rating system like dig is, is that yeah what you like mean? a like a rating system so everybody is ranking giving everybody an, an upvote like so for instance you would just give an, a star or an upvote or downvote to a tweet or to a person right okay yeah and that gives them weight, especially if maybe you ascribe a tag to that person or to that tag or, or something like that. I'm not exactly sure that'd work. But. I mean, there's a site called wefollow.com, which is uh, Kevin Rose's, like, a little side project of his. And okay. it's, I mean, it's great. Basically, anyone can go and add themselves to this directory. You can specify three tags, you know, that mm. you think you're under. And uh, it's really good to just go and, just to go and find uh, people to follow, you know. Um, I want to talk about... Um, Another thing, which was uh, the experience I had with Stack Overflow. Okay. Yeah. So you know, um, I mean, a lot of friends have like told me how cool Stack Overflow is, and you know, to, to get involved with it. I've been listening to the Stack Overflow podcast. So I signed up. I signed up for Stack Overflow, and you know, uh, I thought, you know, being a good netizen, I'll I'll browse the, the threads, as it were, and find something that wasn't answered. So you know, I chose a topic that I know about PHP, oh. <laughs> answered someone. And within about, I don't know, and when I answered, I didn't say, this is definitely the answer. I said, right. this is, you know, this is something to think about, you know. Right. And within about, uh, I guess, a minute, someone came along and said, wrong. <laughs> huh. Basically, you know, wrong. That's not right because of this and this and this and this. And I was like, wow, that's, that's weird. And I, so I looked up this guy and he's like some 21-year-old kid with 22,000 right. points. <laughs> wow. So it's like, but I mean, it made me feel like, you know, oh God, I, is that the kind of people they are? I don't, I don't ever want to hang out here. Uh, so I just wanted to brainstorm with you, um, you know, I, like how they could remedy that. I mean, well, first I of all, to, I, I mean, how many people? Sorry, you go. Yeah. Well, well, you know, first of all, like how much? I mean, that was just that was that this is one guy. I mean, why is this? Because if that's the case, you, you know, there's always going to be people you're going to you're going to have sort of you're, you know you're, you can get irritated by or whatever. But, but I mean, I wonder how many how many accounts they've got on Stack Overflow where there's just like someone like me who's gone in there, you know, with, like in, in a sh small amount of time they've got minus one, and and they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to use that. I'd, right. I'd love to to just see you know if they've got a if if they did a report of their accounts to see if there's a bunch of people who signed up and left, and I, I mean I think it's something quite easy to fix with with user journey stuff you know. Well, the question I mean, were you wrong? I mean, was the well, guy no, wrong? I, I wasn't really wrong. Let's say I was. <laughs> I, I mean, it and was if you're about... wrong, then you know you're wrong, and you can't get your feelings hurt about that, right? No, that's a, that's a good point. I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> I mean, no, basically, I I mean, <clears throat> I. I had misinterpreted the problem, 
Um, and basically, I'd, I'd said, you know, one thing you could look at is the selector because it was a jQuery issue, actually. Right. And um, it, I hadn't seen the uh, – what they with jQuery, the way you can use a selector is you can do, for example, a dot and then class name. Right. And I'd, I'd only ever used the dot class name before. So I said, oh, you know, maybe it's because you've got the a dot. Right. So, you know, I, I was wrong, but I wasn't exactly saying this is definitely what it is. I was just sort of saying there's a possibility to explore. Which is what right. you often do, where you know, when when a when a uh, you know a buddy asks you, you know, what's the issue? You're like, hey, well, try that. Have you thought about that? You know, right, right. Well, I, you know, I guess because I've used Stack Overflow, I've I've only answered maybe a question or two. <laughs> I've asked more than I've answered, um, which is probably not the you know best thing. But I've every time I've gone into a, you know working in a sort of a field where I'm a little new or, or with a technology I'm not familiar with, I've I've asked some questions and I've gotten back. I think almost every case I've gotten back, you know, either the answer or very good information. And, you know, there was a lot where a number of people gave helpful information, but there was ended up being somebody I had to pick to give them points. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and I always feel bad because I'm like, well, these other two guys, they were pretty close, you know, but this third one eventually you just have to pick. And, you know, and, and someone's going to come but along. Do you and, mark them down, though? I mean, do you actively mark the other people down? No, I just. You know, I just say, hey, you know, sometimes I'll say thanks, that's, that was useful or whatever, but I ultimately will give somebody else, I have to give somebody credit, right, whatever the best one was. And in the end, these are technical issues, so there should be, should be more objective than subjective. I'm not, most- listen, I'm not saying that, I mean, obviously Stack Overflow is a, you know, brilliant site and a great resource. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying under that scenario, that it's a weird user journey because, you know, when someone just signs up, you, you know, there should probably be a user journey that says, oh, by the way, you know, under this scenario where you get, you know, let, if someone votes you down, don't don't take it to heart. Don't worry about it. You know, that's just the way that Stack Overflow works kind of thing. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I just think you need to be a little less sensitive. <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably <laughs> I think right. you're just being a little sensitive. I mean, <laughs> that's what it is, isn't it? A 20-year-old kid is hurting your feelings. I think that's a good sign you're being sensitive. <laughs> yeah, that's t- I, I just, just totally knew you were going to say that. You know, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just have a feeling most cases you did for that, you know, that guy's probably maybe he was a little more extreme than others, but I don't know. So what's so, our, what we got next? What we got next? Okay, what, what you got? Well, let's see. So, um, I like the Google, the Google bet is big on HTML5. Yeah, so that was kind of a, you know, an interesting thing. I mean, I was less interested that you know the Google aspect of it. That you know, hey, that they're they're going to be doing all this new stuff with Google Wave or what Google. I think what was it, Google I/O conference or something like that. Uh, yeah, but, the I/O conference. Yeah. Yeah, but what was well, what I found kind of interesting was how um, Safari and Opera and Firefox and Chrome are all just pushing ahead with HTML5, regardless of what Microsoft's doing. Have you seen the Canvas stuff? Yeah, I have. I've played around with it myself. I've actually built built, built some stuff. And I think it's. I mean, it's the canvas is just one aspect of it, but it's yeah. cool. I mean, it's awesome. They they have. I mean, I, I was looking. I, I went to that link that you sent me. Once again, that'll be in the show notes. Mm-hmm. But um, what they're talking about is um, something called Bespin. Have you had a look at that? B E S P I N. Basically, some guys from the Mozilla Foundation are creating a web-based text editor. You know, and it's they're they're doing it using the canvas using uh, HTML5 Canvas, okay. and it is, it's just like using a piece of desktop software. Right, because like, you have complete control over the characters and the he, other position and everything. Yeah, exactly, and it's like, you know, as you type, because well, I mean, like, okay, when I use Flash, I mean, 
I, ha I hate like e entering text into Flash because you you know you click the key and it takes ages for it to like you, you know what I mean? It's so unresponsive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but this like the, the whole thing, I just it's just difficult to believe that it's JavaScript. I mean, it's just very very good. It's it just feels exactly like using desktop editor. I have to play with that. You know, I because for um, for Prezo we had to we ended up building our own text editor. And, I, and when I say we're building our own text editor, I don't mean using uh, design mode or content editable. I mean, we literally would trap every single key press and mouse move in order so that we would have complete control over what the HTML looked like. And it was a nightmare because, you know, getting stuff to wrap the right way and getting bullet points to behave and do all the stuff. And we had all these divs within spans, within divs. and. So are you saying that, like, when, when someone click down you you would totally manually draw like an i-beam that's right that by beam is a div that's just blinking turning on and off it's not actually a carrot or whatever they call it cursor oh, bloody hell yeah it was brutal and like when you would select text <laughs> and you would have it wrapped to the next line or you would say select some text and then hit you know shift up arrow down arrow it would you know select a lines above it and doing all that kind of little things that that you expect your text editor to do but you never think about we had to do all of that and it I mean, was that, brutal it was that, the hardest thing i ever had to code yeah i can believe it that's there's a lot of big problems there i mean that's <laughs> in a way that reminds me of ascii art <laughs> it's like you know yeah. just using something that that wasn't really built for the task to, to it, complete it wasn't something. But we were, al we were already a year and, I don't know, a few months into Prezo, and we'd already had all this stuff working. We just realized that we couldn't do bullet points well enough because the bullet points in you know, HTML, d despite whatever kind of you know, uh, fancy JavaScript or uh, CSS you want to apply, it would not behave right. You couldn't do the really cool bullet points, which is what people expected, especially if you wanted multi-levels and stuff. It just wasn't going to happen. And there were other problems we kept running into. Um, with, hey, have you got a, a frog in your throat there? Uh, does it sound like I'm uh, talking strangely? <laughs> yeah, it sounds like Darth Vader. <laughs> oh, what's going on? Maybe maybe there's, um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, how, is this, how about now? No, it's, it's, no, it's fine. It just, like, just sounds like, um, Sorry about like, that. Like nothing a cough couldn't cure. <laughs> Sorry about that. Okay, so um, I'll take a sip of water here. So um, how's that? Is that better? Yeah, crystal clear. I'll just keep drinking. I'll just keep drinking water. Keep drinking. So, yeah. Or beer. So it, anyway, the the point is we had we were kind of it was kind of like we were too we were too point of no return. We had to solve the problem, and so we just said screw it. We're gonna we're gonna write our own text editor from scratch, and if we knew how hard and what a nightmare it was, we might not have done it, but we did it. And so I know what the kind of hell it takes to build a text editor, even if you have more control over it, like they do with Canvas, because yeah. you can position your characters anywhere. You're not worried about like what HTML is gonna do, um, what, you know, what the browser, what IE versus JavaScript is gonna do with you know, say the spacing of characters and making it go to the next line within a div or a span or whatever. Well, you're just or working with pixels. I mean, it's basically sort of like traditional desktop development then, is it? I would, I would imagine. I would imagine. I have to check that out. That's, that's, that, I mean, I'm sure they can get something that looks really, probably looks really good. The other thing is what was cool is that the, the scrolling that they had, um, I mean, it just felt like a normal scroll bar. I mean, you know the way when you're using, you know, Flash, because the, the reason why I keep on talking about Flash is just because that's a, that's the rich media application where you'd be able to do this kind of stuff before. Right. So, you know, people have made rich text editors in Flash and things like that, but it just feels so unresponsive. Whereas this, uh, let me look at the product name again, Bespin. Yeah, just it, it's just totally responsive. And it, it makes you think, 
uh, oh yeah, the desktop is actually it it could very well disappear. <laughs> so it's like the next level. I mean, the first level was in like say Rightly and and Gmail came out and people were using that and they're going, yeah. holy crap! I mean, this yeah. is better or, or good enough in comparison to my desktop. And now you're going to the yeah. next level, like the the compromises you did have to make to use, uh, you know, things like you know. Um, Gmail's editor or whatever, or Rightly, which they end up their Google Docs thing. I mean, whatever compromise you made, you're not going to have to make those, I guess. But I mean, of course, uh, you know, a text editor is different to, say, Adobe Photoshop. So. Yeah, but, you know, at the same time, I don't know. I mean, there's a certain amount. I mean, it's going to keep getting closer. I mean, people keep saying Photoshop, well, it'll never be Photoshop, but. Yeah, there's it's that that sort of subset of applications that will never be in the browser is shrinking rapidly. Uh, yeah, I mean, for, from looking at this, I mean, I'm convinced that you could get something like Excel working in a really zingy zippy way, you know, you where you could totally expand the columns and, and all that stuff. Yeah, I think you could. Um, yeah, I think uh, you know. And one thing is that you know, even if Microsoft drags their heels, one of the things I think there's there's something called X Canvas, which was a you know, I think it's on Google Code, and it's just kind oh, of yeah. like a little shim that you you know JavaScript library you put in, and and you you it it sort of maps the Canvas um, API calls to VML, which is the vector markup language, which is oh what yeah they created. I mean, I that's sort of what I did with um, in Prezo when we had to do like a. Um, you know, we're trying to do drawing shapes and arrows and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, we we wrote our own little graphics library that would map to VML on IE and to SVG on um, I guess it was uh, on Firefox and in uh, I think Safari would even work. So we didn't do the Canvas calls. We just made our own sort of our version of what a you know generic graphics library would be and map it to SVG and VML. But so does that mean you can you can basically send that layer of abstraction to uh, Canvas? Yeah, I mean, Is you could that do that. I mean, you could just you could say, well, map it to Canvas. But now I'm thinking, okay, the so ours was more like a vector drawing as opposed yeah. to I think what, what do you call it a bitmap or raster based? Is, it, uh, is that yeah, yeah, rest, yeah, raster, yeah. Yeah. So, and I think that's probably ultimately a little more um, useful in a general case than uh, than using a vector markup. But I would probably I, I would probably just say screw it and use use Canvas and use X Canvas because I think that's where everybody's going. I mean, it's one thing to Build something on your own that you need because nothing else out there really does it, and that's what we had to do because that was that was it. I mean, we just had to make something work on cross browser. And we had to draw shapes, but now it looks like Canvas is really picking up steam, and it's it's being implemented in all these browsers. And then there's this nice little X Canvas library for IE, and so and that's what everybody's excited about. Nobody's talking about SVG, so screw it. All right, we're on the Canvas bandwagon. One thing I, I you read all these po law, uh, you know like these blog posts and these people talking about you know startups you got to work oh you know 12 or 15 hours a day you don't have a life and I just yeah. think that's crap I mean I think I think that's sort of a naive almost mythical version or view of of what it really is because it's a marathon it's not a sprint and if you're gonna yeah. you know, if you're gonna do if you're gonna be running at a decent pace that last mile you need to find a pace that you can sustain and whether it's not only you know a maintain or sustain a, a an enthusiasm but just like you know a focus and an ability to solve it and an interest and i don't know i don't i have a hard time working much more than six to eight hours of, of really solid coding well i mean if you but if you listen to jason calacanis uh talk about that i mean he's he's pretty uh passionate about this point that basically people should be you know very passionate about the company and and put you know 14 hours a day into it kind of thing and on the weekends as well 
Well, you know, I, I, you know, he he may also be talking. I mean, think about the kind of companies he's run. They're like blog companies and yeah. content companies. But you know, when you're building software, for instance, you're writing code. It's about it's, there's a lot more sort of problem solving. You just can't make any more progress. You just sit there staring at the screen, doing nothing, and burning yourself out. Have you done um, uh, extreme? Have you like worked in like an extreme programming kind of way? I, the reason why I was bringing that up is just because um, that that sort of scenario. I mean. I, to- I totally know what you mean, where you feel burned out and totally burned out. But it's interesting if if you're actually sitting at the same computer with someone and mm-hmm. working working on the code with them, it's like you can get through that burnout phase you, because you're you're sort of bantering all the time. Uh, you can get through the roadblocks, and you you know it's quite it's quite yeah. an interesting way to way to to beat that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. You, you get less bugs in the co- code. It's more fun. You know, you, you sit there, you kind of talk, and, and you know, you know, sometimes you're writing code and you just kind of get. I don't know. You just get bored or you just get frustrated with it. You're like, I don't know, dude, you, you write some code, you know, or, and that's what we do. I'd be like, you know, I, you, do, you know, guy on, look, take the keyboard. I'm just not in the mood or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and it works that way. Cause you know, after, when you're watching someone code for a while, sometimes you just get antsy. You're like, you know, let me, let me just do this or let me. Well, I'll tell you something as well. I mean, if, if you're, if you're physically doing it and they stink, <laughs> it's a problem. It's like go and wash, yeah. will you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know I've never I have done very little of that. So I've, a few times, and I've worked with friends of mine where we've sat down for a few hours at a time and done some stuff. But I've never in a professional setting had you know done the sort of pair coding or extreme programming. So working with Guyon who lives in uh, you know Europe, I mean you don't have that problem. And actually, it's kind of interesting. I was was thinking about like writing a blog post since a couple of years ago and we did it because it was so amazingly effective and I hardly hear about it. You hear about people in companies sitting next to each other and stuff, but you don't hear about people saying, hey, you know, we can just work remotely, right? We can share the keyboard, share the mouse. We can just take turns. You don't have to worry. You can live anywhere in the world. And rather than finding someone who happens to live near you who can just sit down next to you, it's like it doesn't matter. Yeah, I you mean know? there's there's a lot of companies that are just coming that through that whole I mean, in that virtual fashion, I'm I'm sort of thinking about that myself. Um, I mean, you know, why do you why do you need an office? You know, I mean, half the time you you just need people to do stuff. You know, I mean, I, I suppose that the team building part is a really big part, but you know, with Skype and conference, you know, you can get all that a lot as well. I don't think it's such a you know I don't think that having an office is so important. I mean, it's fun. It's fun to go hang yeah. out with people you like and listen. Yeah. We, I had that at one point where I had my first startup. You know, it was a three of three of us, and we had, you know, this office in in uh, in this cool area of town, and it was just kind of the second floor, right where all the shops and you know were and restaurants. And so you were quite readily action. And we could go there and hang out, turn on the music, and joke around, play video games, work. I mean, it was fun. Did you have a video game machine in the office? Well, no, we didn't. It was it was all like on the PC. We would, you know, was that, this was back in the days of Doom. <laughs> you know, we would play. <laughs> I mean, this is back like 94, 95, 96, 97. And, uh, you know, we would play Doom and come in and conquer. And there are there are weeks of my life that are just missing. We we had a, a back in a, a startup I was working for called What You Know. Um, uh, what You Know stands for What Do You Know? It was a, like a, a knowledge-based social network. But right. what, what we had was a, a table tennis table. And we just used to we just used to play table tennis <laughs> like every lunchtime. And in fact, right. one – like investors look at something like that and go, right, well, you know, why are you wasting our money or maybe take that kind of approach? But in fact, we got like probably one of the best coders there. He only joined the company because we had a table tennis table. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I had thought about that at times. Like if you really wanted to hire somebody 
you want to you wanted to you know when you find an office or something like that and you're trying you're not just trying to find a place that you might want to work at but you're trying to entice or other people lure other people in and say hey this is this is where you want to be, man. This is cool. This would be fun, right? I mean, you look at this place. You, you don't want to be some place that's like dark and dank we, and depressing. Yeah, and, exactly. And you want to find people that you want to work with. Right, right. And if you build an environment with pe- cool people in a cool environment, you can get top quality people in there. And in fact, the other thing is, though, you figure how much little extra does it cost to buy to pay for a better place? And that'll you could you well, could hold, hold on. I mean, what stuff. do you mean by better place? I mean, do you mean like somewhere that's all swishy with, uh, you know, like velvet walls? Or do you mean somewhere that, I don't know, you put fun things in, like a foosball table? Yeah, I mean, I'm not that into, see, I don't necessarily think you have to have foosball tables and velvet walls. I don't really, uh, but, you know, a place that, like, I mean, you you look at a lot of these offices and they just suck. I mean, there's hardly any natural light. There's fluorescent lighting everywhere. It's crappy little cubicles. You walk in there, you're just depressed. You're like, the first thing you think is, like, I have to get the hell out of here. You know, but you go to a place where it's kind of more of an open layout or or whatever, and it's and it's 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 kind of a it's kind of a cool office where you just like I want to be. Well, here. you know, I, I think the perfect office would be like to get I don't know, like a a beach house in in uh, like Santa Monica or something like that, and just just put everyone in a building like that. That would be a lot of fun. I remember visiting a company that once did. It was like they 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 were they were over in like Sherman Oaks, and they um, it was like five or six or seven maybe more developers and they were like in a bedroom or in like in a dining room and they were of this house and they were working on this like 3d gaming engine or something but when that. you walk into a place like that it's just it buzzes you know and you think shit man i want to be part of this these people totally know what they're doing they're you know they're going somewhere they've got a mission there's there's a buzz yeah i thought it was a little weird that i thought living or working in a house was a little strange yeah i don't know <laughs> Something about it was a little weird maybe it's just because it was a sherman oaks i don't know it just like ugh. i, I but, don't know what's sherman oaks like i don't know i don't know it's just your typical sort of suburban area i mean it wasn't it's not a particularly bad area it's just just you know there's nothing it wasn't <laughs> like like so the office that i had my first company i mean we were right in the middle of like where all the action was right so if it was a saturday or sunday yeah. you know the first thing we say is so what are you doing tomorrow i was like ah you know i'll probably show up at the office i mean it was like the default place to go i mean unless yeah. you had something to do you could hang out at home but that was kind of boring or you could shoot to the office the windows are open the air's coming in you hear people walking around you know eating or going shopping or whatever you're you know going to movies and that was kind of like the central place you could go hang out there might be you might be you know there just make a few phone calls and you know surf the web you might write some code you might play a video game or whatever but you just felt like being there right talking about areas i was wondering um because obviously we're you know we're both uh, we've got startups and we're based in in la well i mean well i'm i'm based in hollywood and you're where is it pasadena pasadena how what, what sort of chance do you think we've got of uh, you know finding other techies to come and work with us well i don't first of all i don't i don't i don't believe this sort of you know myth or whatever or at least it's not as, as sort of extreme as people say like you gotta do it in northern california i think that's bs i mean um i think you probably find a lot of good companies that can go can pretty much grow up anywhere at least any major city or i mean that has at least enough but if all the talent's going down to San Francisco, we've, you know, I guess we're going to just have to find some way of either enticing people to, you know, to, to move back here or just, you know, I guess the miraculous thing of finding people who are here. Yeah, or, you know, I mean, well, first of all, I'd be moving up, right? Because I think it's north. Uh-oh. Keep <laughs> <laughs> showing my ignorance. North. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I, I mean, L.A. is just a ton of smart people in LA and there'd be a ton of smart people be willing to move to LA if you had something interesting going on, you know, that's worth doing. I mean, 
you know, sure, Silicon Valley have a ton of stuff, but then I guess yeah. you're also competing against um, a lot of other cool startups. So every, every time, if, if you're in a startup and it starts looking questionable, I guess they say, yeah, I'm out, I'm going to go down the street or next door and work on this other cool thing. Where if you're somewhere else, you probably don't have to deal with that as much. You know, yes. that's another thing. But this will go back to what we were just saying. You know, you don't necessarily have to office. People don't necessarily have to live in the, in the same city. In fact, most of the people that I work with or have had done consulting work with or have people have I've outsourced to stuff too, they live in different cities, and I don't even know what they look like really. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't even affect it. And it's like I'd rather find the very best people that I like uh, to work with regardless of where they live, whether they're, whether they're even in this country or time zone. It just doesn't matter. You know? So, okay, I think uh, because we're we're new to this, we <laughs> we're sort of making it up as we go along. Right. And what the way that the way that we've worked it is, we've sent each other five topics that we'd like to talk about, right. and uh, we're just going to sort of um, talk about a topic until it feels dead. <laughs> well, then, we've uh, completely lost it. I, I don't know. We started talking about building something real, and I don't know. We got off into extreme programming in Sherman Oaks and <laughs> working in a house and. However, yeah. you know, I, I guess other thing that's kind of interesting. Um, I mean, this is like a, on the tech side, but I, I found this cool like uh, control for uploading stuff called, uh, I guess, SWF or Swift upload. It, like uses like a flash hit flash player to upload stuff. I had a look you know, at that. Yeah, that, I thought we, that was really good. You know, because so you, you see, like sometimes when you when you're like on like you Gmail, for instance, has you want to you do an attachment, and if you have like a big attachment that's a five megs or something like that, it's like in your uploading it. Sometimes the, the page just sits there, and you're like, is this failed? Is what's going on? I mean, how much longer do I have? I'm gonna sit here for you know thirty seconds, or is it gonna be like ten minutes? Yeah. And I, you know, you I've seen it used at places like that, and you're like, that is so damn cool. And I remember different times I had looked. And found like a PHP classes. There was some way, some guy uploaded some like way to do it. But you had to have some kind of fix or some kind of extension or something to the Apache server. Do something. But mm. so if you're not, if you don't own your own server, you don't control it completely. You can't start screwing around with Apache. Then it's not even really possible. And if I if I remember correctly, it wasn't just that. It was like you could only do it at one instance at a time. So it was just all these limitations. Oh, because and I thought what it was was I thought that when you were doing it with JavaScript and PHP, what what was happening is like it's uh, you initiate you initiate one request that does the post, and while right. that post is going on, you set off another um, AJAX request that pulls a second PHP script, and mm -hmm. that's PHP script keeps on doing it, you know, checking the file size and seeing how much is being uploaded and reports yeah. it back. I don't think that's how it worked, but I think the problem was, if I remember correctly, because I haven't seen, this was like two years ago when yeah. I looked at this, and I think the problem was that like, the size of the file couldn't be updated or the, the, the second script wouldn't be able to find it because it actually wasn't being updated because it wasn't completed or there was only one of those temp files could be recognized by a patch. So oh, weird I see. Oh, okay, right. Okay, yeah, I know what you mean. You would think because when you first start reading the because um, it's in transit sort of thing and, and it's like it's not registered in a sensible place on the disk so it can't find it something like that because I remember it, at least the 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 one or two um, solutions that I found at the time were were talking about it I'm like oh yeah it works except you can only do one at a time so you have more than one user doing it, it's not going to work or this or that and I'm just like ah oh, that sucks you uh, know more than one user yeah that makes I, I can I can imagine that limitation. I never could get it working. I mean, I think I tried a little bit, and I never and it just didn't work. And well, so, how does it, it uh, like? How is it better with the Flash version? I mean, how do they make it work? I mean, what uh, is it that well, is it the Flash? It, you know, sort of knows how much it's uploaded. 
Yeah, so the flash, this little embedded, you know, flash player, it, um, you know, it's it's hidden, so it's not like you're, you're you have like this weird looking flash control on there. It's just this hidden thing that does it. So it it's when it launches the actual browse, file, um, you know, file dialog box, and uh, you know, it just. Uh, it works, and so you upload it, and the Flash takes care of, does all the uploading behind the scenes, but it, it fires events that your JavaScript can register um, with the control with a little JavaScript library that it comes. And so you get these events like on, you know, status update or whatever, on finished uploading or on started un- uh, uploading or whatever it is. And um, so then you can get that event, and then you can do whatever you want, you know, on JavaScript side, and you know, change a, you know, a GIF or change you know text like you know 80 percent uploaded or whatever and it's all seemed to work really well and um you know it's just like it's called swift upload dot org or something S- yeah swfupload.org but so it's also like problem um, solved i mean any of the um any of the stuff that we talk about as well we'll put in show notes on the on the blog so you'll be able yeah. to look at the links oh and what a couple of things about it i want to say which were pretty new cool is that you could in the file in the file dialog box you didn't it, 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 you could actually specify like i you know only .png files or something. So oh, you yeah. can limit, which is very cool. Well, jQuery, jQuery has that as well with its file upload. But, um, oh, but, does it? But, but, the, but the jQuery doesn't, I mean, it still, ha- it still suffers the limitation of having to, to have the two scripts with, with the jQuery one. But it's, right. it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. So I don't know. That was that was that was worth mentioning. I, I, that's something I'd always, you know, wish there was a better solution. It looks like this is it. This will solve it. I guess we're out. Yep, that's it. It's a wrap. Later. Okay. Bye.